I know. I know what you were all thinking. We finally got rid of her after the special episode. Guess what? Not today, all. Not today. Howdy, my little perverts. How have you been? I think I can speak for all of us when I say that somebody should tell me that nothing lasts forever, even cold November rain. So, enough with this shitty weather and bring on the actual spring because I feel the urge to dress like a posh stripper. Not that I have anywhere special to go, but still, I do mind my outfits very, very much. Putting aside my dubious choice of wardrobe, I hope you have your popcorns and tissues ready because it's gonna get hot in here real quick. You get it, right? Hot, steam, the tissues. Anyway, can you hear that? Can you hear that? It's been like that for the whole weekend, people screaming in the street. I've had enough. My brain is about to blow up. Anyways, um, please don't run away. I have fastened your seatbelts. But before putting our pedal to the metal, disclaimer, as usual. <clears throat> This content is intended for mature audiences only. It can contain strong language, sexual references, and mention of violence. Listener discretion is, of course, advised. Let the drums roll. For your ears, delight only. DMB, Season 1, Episode 6. From Cradle of Imai to Dear Thor, a.k.a. How Demons Are a Boy's Best Friend. It usually is a girl's best friend, at least the song that I know it's Demons Are a Girl's Best Friend. Anyway, I thought this was a tad bit more appropriate for our setting. And now cover your ears, because the jingle is gonna start. Seriously. Cover your ears, guys. In three, two, one. And this is the moment where the jingle should be. Jingle, jingle, jingle. Oh, this jingle. It's amazing. Best thing in the world. And I cannot sing to save my life, so three, two, one. Now, now that I damage your eardrums permanently, we can get down to business, to defeat the Huns. Okay, I'm seriously stopping now. So, Cradle of Imai by Moom and Ryan. Now, now, let's take a moment here. Whoever knows me quite well, and is aware for how long I've been reading BL stories, also knows that I was waiting for another webtoon from Moom since the ending of their work, Heaven and Hell Roman Company. Just so you know, I was so obsessed with it, I did my haircut in color following the one of Ginger, which is one of the two main characters, and I would say perhaps I should do it again, it was one of my best hairstyles so far. Just saying. Anyway, when I saw on the screen that a new title was coming soon, and that the plot would be a completely different one from the previous work. I honestly couldn't contain my excitement. It doesn't sound like that, but I am telling you, I was pretty excited at the moment. For one, when you start reading Cradle of Imai, you can see right off the bat, from chapter one I would say, how much Moom's art style has improved, and while you can clearly recognize their work, it's not like the characters are drawn in, like, as if they're the same from H&H Roman Company. Let me explain what I mean with that, because I know it sounds a bit confusing. I mean, now that I'm saying it, it does sound extremely confusing. But let me tell you that. Now, what I mean is, what happens with some authors... Let, let's just put an example out there, and not because I don't like them, but let's take Yusa, for example, okay? Like, what happens with Yusa and some other authors, they do tend to always draw their characters exactly in the same way. Like, for example, the UK is going to be portrayed every time in the same way, they're gonna change just a tiny bit of like 
uh, characteristics, but mainly it's going to be exactly the same one. And it looks like as if they were always like the same actors portraying different stories, like different dramas all the time. And bear in mind, I'm not saying that it's wrong or it's right. It's simply a personal choice of the artist. And as any form of art out there, it's appreciated solely on personal taste. And as for me, like for example, talking about Yusa again, I love their works so much. But again, you've seen it once, you see it all the time. But again, I do appreciate them, love them. Now with Moon, this doesn't happen. Each creature, like each character, is created and detailed in their own unique way and without losing the essence of the personal style. As you can imagine, as I am talking about it, otherwise I would just shut the fuck up, it is something I very much like and admire and appreciate. And as for the plot in itself, um, kudos to the fact that demons are depicted in a different way compared to a more traditional demon slash supernatural kind of story, if you will. And just, just so you know it already, the same happens with Dear Door, but we will explore that in a few moments, so I'll leave it for now. Back to where we started. Cradle of Imai. Cradle of Imai. is the story of Ryujin and Imai, of course, otherwise it wouldn't be Cradle of Imai, and their intense, intertwined, and unrelenting fate. What the fuck did I just say? <clears throat> it's set in the Demon Plague Kingdom of Jinyok, and on the day Ryujin is born, he's seen by a passing exorcist that utters a worrying warning. Beware of fire. Well... My good man, thank you very much. We kind of all know that fire is kind of dangerous, but anyway. It is indeed in his home engulfed in fire that a now grown up you re <sighs> Me and the names. It is a story as long as the origin of the word, yeah? So, a <laughs> grown up Ryujin meets that same exorcist again, you know, the one that was saying, hoo hoo, beware of the fire, and he tells Ryujin to head in for the exorcism academy. There, he will learn how to combat the demons that torment him, whatever that means. On his way there, he runs into a mysterious, and there I say, beautiful, little chap, blonde chap, called Imai. Needless to say, Imai will follow Ryujin to the academy, and as the years go by, their bodies and souls will, will become entwined in a destiny that will affect them and everybody around them, good and bad alike. Deep breath, that is a lot to take in. Now... Where shall we start? Mm -hmm. I don't even know. I don't even know, to be honest. It's in here, let me tell you, things are not always as they seem and we can't categorize people only in black and white. The spectrum of their emotions is wide and a tad bit confusing sometimes, if you ask me. Oh, you know what? On that note, because I said that already, I'm going to start with a negative note, as usual, for what concerns my personal point of view only. You do you be do whatever makes you happy so i want to get this off my chest i don't get the character of imai like at all and it's not just because we didn't fully explore his past yet that like that's not it and yes for that we don't even know if he's fully a human or a demon or whatever or like a mixture of it and but to be fair that's not even the main thing like i don't get his talks <laughs> his thoughts and actions like at all 
One minute he seems head over heels for Eugene, wanting to protect him at all costs and never let him get out of his sight. And like the next one, it feels like he wants to get rid of him because he sees him only like as a nuisance that's not gonna make him ful fulfill his destiny. I, I don't get it. I, I know. I know it's all part of a bigger picture and a good development of the story means we have to be patient and wait, but let's just leave it by saying that patience is not one of my virtues. Don't worry, Mai, I still love you, but man, pick a side. Pick a side, because I don't get you. I don't get you. Now, speaking of sides, I mentioned before that in this story nothing is as it seems and demons are depicted in a bit of a different way than the usual demon slash exorcist setting, so... Let's find out why. <clears throat> Leaving aside the fact that they are quite beautiful, if I can say so myself, we cannot simply mark them as bad, and in the same way we cannot say that all the exorcists... Exorcists... Why in this language is it so complicated to pronounce certain sounds? Let's try again. Like, all the exorcists are good people. And if you read Cradle of Imairo already, you know what I mean. Like, the Exorcist Academy and the high rank exorcists are clearly hiding something big and dangerous to the eyes and ears of the rest of them lot. Now, considering that they should all work for the same goal, that... I mean, that looks kind of suspicious, if you ask me. Plus, they are working alongside some of the demons, aka all of those demons that are considered good by popular moral, let's say, or demons that desire to destroy their same kin. And, I mean, that usually is something that doesn't happen. It's not done, like within exorcist, priest, and like. And, as you can imagine, on a parallel line, we do find those demons. Like, some of them will be the ones that I mentioned a few seconds ago. Then we got the majority of the demons, which <clears throat> will be the ones vibing, like, on low energies and always working against the humans, which are, like, the very common category category and the majority of them and then we have a third category and in my personal opinion my favorite and that will be the high-ranked demons aka uh the four generals as you can imagine they truly are on a whole league of their own and we don't really know what their plans are as of today but after seeing Daesun and that's one of the four generals it's called the black snake as well lovely chap <laughs> if you read it, you, you know what I mean. <laughs> but I can't wait to see what they have in store for us. Uh, as of today, we're very far into season two. We're probably gonna reach the end in a few chapters, and I am expecting the ending to end, like to be on full blast. I want an explosion. I want the tables to be turning. Like I want fire. We need to be aware of the fire. Now give us fire. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, we shall see, we shall see. In a few weeks, I will tell you. You know what? I will tell you in a few weeks. Now, now, from one high-ranking demon to a majestic one, I would say, um, let's jump to the... <laughs> I'm laughing already because... Never mind, never mind me. Just... whatever. <laughs> so, let's jump to your door and I, I hope some of you will be kind enough to explain to me how much a hole is able to stretch because um, I'm still in shook if I think how Kim Jun could survive certain sexual intercourses. <clears throat> Awkward silence moment. <clears throat> Anyways, 
thank you ambulance because you all know it by now if you don't have a ambulance at least one moment like in the whole podcast that's not my podcast you guys so a round of applause for the ambulance once again thank you so much for the sound effect we do appreciate anyways um dear door dear door dear door taylor's oldest time with all the teams that are ways made the story an epic one why the fuck am i singing so all the themes that make a story an epic one war love redemption a relationship that can overcome any obstacle and a happy ending at least i am really hoping for a happy ending but we're with only 30 chapters so far it's really hard to tell but you know what a person can dream yep and now that i've said it out loud it does really sound like a harmony and kids if you don't know what a harmony is ask your grandmas i'm sure they will gladly explain it to you and in this case we clearly have a case of historical harmony okay i'll stop <clears throat> the place, planet Earth, and hell. After the death of his beloved girlfriend, police officer Kyung Jun just wants to be left alone to water his houseplants and catch criminals. Kyung Jun, my boy, I feel you. I feel you. Don't worry, you're not alone. <clears throat> but after an investigation into a mysterious cult goes supernatural and completely tits up, Kyung Jun finds himself unwillingly caught up in a world of demons, succubi, and monsters. And the worst of them all? Well, not really, but let's just say he's not the easiest chap to deal with in the beginning, is the demon king called Lord Kain. It turns out that in order to survive, Kain needs mana, or demonic energy if you will, that can only be accessed through a door, get the title now, dear door, <laughs> located inside the Kyungjun. Problem being, how is he planning to open the door? Mm-hmm. Do your math, kids. You know perfectly well how he's going to do that. But before getting down and dirty, a bit of historical moment or history channel moment here so you can get how mana and doors work. As I said already, mana is the energy that all demons from low ranking to high to high one need to consume in order to survive and get strength. You can always get it from other demons on your same rank or higher, never lower, and that's solely because being a lower energy than yours, it won't work. I mean, it kind of applies in real life as well, like when you get a friend, it should vibe on your energy or, or higher. Ne okay, I'm getting too deep into shit that most of you don't even care about, so back on the doors and the mana. <laughs> Uh, in order to get mana from demons located in the human world, demons in hell have to get through like through through special doors. Now, these doors are none other than the humans themselves, or better, something not really specified. I mean, it's kind of like a sigil. Uh, it, is, it should be a sigil or something like that. I didn't really get it. Anyway, this sigil, let's call it like that, it's inside the humans. And every single door belongs to a specific demon and to that demon only, until the day they die. Now, if the demon dies, the sigil disappears. If the human dies, however, there won't be another door for them, and as them, I mean the demons, ever again. Hence, they'll get trapped wherever they are in that specific moment when the death occurs. That being, if the demon is in the human world and the door dies, it's gonna stay there forever. Same as, if he's in hell and the door dies, that's where he's gonna stay forever. I mean, I don't really get that. I guess there are some other ways to go, like, through portals and stuff, but, I mean... The author will tell if they want to tell. If not, I'm more than happy and content as it is. And tiny spoiler here, 
a certain demon doctor is actually experimenting on doors in order to see if they can be interchanged, changed and stuff like that. But I'm not gonna say nothing more. So, how is Kai planning to open the door inside Kyunjin? Well, as all doors are opened by demons, by having plenty of rough, passionate sex with him. I mean, excuse me, what were you expecting that they could, like, they would play cards and drink tea? Not on my watch, uh-huh, and clearly not on the author's watch, because otherwise, um, we wouldn't have this kind of work, we would have, like, something else and extremely boring and fluffy. Um, yeah, alas... We need to slap kind for a moment here. Yeah, let's just take a moment to slap kind here. The first times like these kind of like door opening action happened. Um, we have to say like the intercourses weren't exactly consensual, and I mean I do get X fiction and plus they are demons and their morals don't exactly match ours, but I do find consent extremely sexy, so he deserves a slap. On this note, if you are very sensitive about consent and triggered by abuse, I don't think you should approach the door at all. As most of the scenes so far with um, one of the couples, like particularly a couple of secondary characters that are quite important though, um, they all are, like all their scenes are a tad bit disturbing. Um, though I kinda saw the spoilers and it's gonna get so much better, at least for one of those two, but still, so far it's been a pretty traumatic journey and um, yeah, if you're very very sensible to said subject and you know you're gonna get triggered and it's gonna like it's gonna affect you in any way, um, just don't watch it, uh, watch for, for your happiness first as I always say, your happiness always comes first. Read something else, there's plenty of demonic settings out there that are waiting to be discovered, uh, just don't read your door. Going back to Kain, I am living for the development he's been doing since he started falling in love with Kyunjun. Now, I mean, we're going from human, I'm only gonna use you until I need you and then you can choke on my dick and die, to I need to protect my little bun for the rest of my life. Thank you, Kain, for being that big fluffy idiot we all came to love and appreciate. I mean, um, considering how it all began, um, that's a pretty good development, if you ask me. On a personal note, like... Speaking of this, I'm in love with how he starts to feel jealous, possessive and affectionate, but since he's a demon king, he doesn't really know how to explain all that, so he starts thinking he's been bewitched and then uh, that he's developing like a mortal disease or something. <laughs> I really like it that. Because um, you have to bear in mind, except for the doctor, like the, that, that demon doctor that I was mentioning before, like the experimenting doctor, yeah? He knows how to deal with human emotions because he's, you will see why, but he's way more accustomed to humans and their emotions and their habits, so he's okay with all that. But all the other demons, like, once they get start to feel, like, human emotions, um, they seem to think that they're kind of developing a disease of some kind, and I really, really appreciate this narrative choice because... As we, as we always say, them are different from us, so it's only normal that their perceptions and morals, morals are vibing on a different kind of note. So yeah, kudos to you author once more for another pretty good choice. I mean, seeing how detailed uh, the author is being with the heart and the plot, I mean, it's only natural that they would plan every single thing without leaving out anything to mistakes or casualties, so... 
kind falling in love and the way he falls in love is clearly a very 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 specific and bold choice and i cannot wait for them to completely fall in love and have loads of lovey-dovey sex not that they're lacking at the moment um and dear author, if you're listening, you're more than welcome to deliver us more and more. But all that roughness and made me thirsty for some real fluff. Especially because they are so much different in size. And you little perverts, I'm not only talking about down there. I mean, down there, it's pretty obvious. But like, Kain, compared to Kyun Jun, is practically a half a giant. And I am a very, very big estimator of fluffy scenes involving a huge beast and a tinier one about the beast what i do intend with the word beast you draw your conclusions i'm not going to judge you yeah and now before my saliva drool is going to reach the microphone and bust it irreparably to your joy i would believe but as i said not today so in conclusion are demons a boy's best friend i would say yes to a certain extent, yes. Meaning that when we read stories with supernatural creatures and likes, um, it's only natural to compare it to real life because that's what we know, right? And in real life, we do identify like the demons, creatures, and however you want to call them with whoever is different from us. And thanks to that, we can come to realize that different doesn't necessarily mean dangerous and we should accept others just as they are without preconcepts or stereotypes. And so yes, they are a boy's best friends because if they can help the readers to widen their views and horizons, then I would say give us these kind of stories every day. I mean, I'm always all for art that makes this world, which is pretty fucked up at the moment, <laughs> a better place. So if we can always like read something that will make us realize that our real life is not so bad after all and that we should all compromise with the differences that we have between each other i mean mm, i mean it doesn't sound so bad to me but you do you you guys as i always say i am not god here you can do whatever you want i'm not gonna judge well maybe if you're a shitty person i will judge but i wouldn't know this is a podcast it's not like we're sitting at the bar and talking to each other so yeah, you continue to do you, just don't pester me. Yep. And that, my little pumpkins, was the conclusion of episode 6 of D&B, Dungeons and Boys Love. I hope you had a good time with me today. I sure had pretty good fun today. I mean, I'm not as tired as usual. And yeah, it was pretty funny to like do all my researches for, for this episode. So yeah, it was fun for me, to be honest. And... I hope that you managed to stay with me until the end without getting too much confusion in your head. I know sometimes my word salad was a bit worse than usual, but you know me by now. I get like the train gets derailed real easy, but we try to deliver every fucking time. So yeah, always remember that I love you and appreciate you with all my heart. And make sure you keep reading BL stories and spread the word. And in particular, if you want to like share this podcast with your friends your family your lover whoever the fuck you like please do please do and i will buy you a drink if i will ever know you in real life please don't be scared of the monsters under your bed and don't let them fuck you too hard if you approach them i shall see you next wednesday as per usual and take care of yourselves you guys i shall see you later bye